into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Friday. We made it. We also made it to September. Wins, wins, wins. We're winning so hard right now. It's out of control. Let me fix my, my, my framing of myself in this, in this, in this box right here. I don't know why I'm so particular, but I, <laughs> I want to frame the box correctly. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Simply. Welcome to Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat briefing. Today is September first, two thousand twenty-three. This is episode 443, so get your encrypted network connections going. We're doing it. All right, everybody. Uh, my name is Dr. Gerald Dozier, and in the next 45 minutes, me, you, Matt McDaniel, Oshep412, Ben Jones, Jamie Fleck, Leon Elliott, BSEC Mod Chat, LinkedIn folks, Simply Cyber, community members, YouTube friends, squad members, First-timers and long-timers, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break into the industry, you are going to get value, believe me, from this stream. We're going to cover all the things that you need to know in order to deliver cyber risk reduction to your organization, and you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry and this podcast, I promise you, is an excellent answer to that question. And the networking is phenomenal. There's 112 people in here already. There's going to be more before the day's out. We're averaging 300 plus live, another 1,700 plus on replay, another 500 on audio only. I don't look at the podcast audios very often, but we're, we're averaging, uh, you know, four to 500, three to 500, depending on the day. So, we are fierce we are strong we are the simply cyber community i love it i love it i love it also i want to share with everybody just a little pro tip uh remind me remind me a jaw jacking about the simply cyber daily cyber threat briefing on your resume somebody's been doing it and they gave me uh feedback on what the experience is like hint hint spoiler alert they have been crushing it in their job interviews oh my gosh love it space tacos I think, I think when my audio went out, hold on one second, Space Tacos. I think when my audio went out the other day, it screwed up my Stream Deck's volume level somehow. But how's this sound? Little low, little low. But Space Tacos, thank you so much. Always enjoy uh, the super chats and your company. More importantly, all right, guys. 
Remember, each episode of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team Live if you're here live with us right now on this glorious Friday morning or Friday or Saturday night or Saturday morning if you're maybe in New Zealand or Australia. I know we got a lot of New Zealand Kiwis up in here, uh, part of the community. If you're watching on replay, hashtag Team Replay, you guys are coming in full force team replay on yesterday's stream i saw all you in there uh dropping lots of comments again shout out chris weaver always pinning the timestamps on the um in the comments uh appreciate that uh and definitely take advantage of it y'all because it makes uh going through this show a little bit easier especially if you need to revisit a story war goons with the one-year-old war goons if you feel comfortable share uh baby's name if not we'll just say baby war goons but anytime i accidentally slip up we're, we're slowly amassing a list of um, underage ears that I need to apologize to when I say things that I should not say. Right now, it's Jaden, Kennedy, baby uh, base case, and baby war goons. All right, guys. Uh, if you're if you're uh, first time here, like uh, Law M was yesterday and Scott Edwards was two days ago, if it's your first day here, you just found the stream and you're like, holy crap, what is this all about? Hashtag first timer in chat with uh, with us. Hey, Dustin Gray, good to see you. Nice, the two-year-old's in the house. Baby Dustin Gray, too. Listen, if it's your first time, say hashtag first timer in chat. Let us know that you're uh, it's your first time. And let, let the uh, Simply Cyber community members welcome you. I, and if I see it, I'll welcome you personally, myself. Guys, we got a oh, first time, long time. That's right, DSEC. Guys, uh, before we uh, thank the sponsors, I just want to share a little uh, personal victory. We do share our own wins and victories in chat, and I am a member of the community, I'd like to think. So uh, this happened overnight last night. This is number of subs on the channel, 75,000 major milestone. Thank you all Simply Cyber community members, squad members alike, the mod team. Uh, it, it, it takes a village, y'all, and uh, it's a lot of work. And uh, it's very, very enjoyable, and I love uh, being part of it. So thank you for helping with this massive accomplishment. I appreciate it so much. Speaking of thank you so much, I'd love to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. If you're watching on stream with us right now, we got the website up. Scrolling down to the bottom left, we got Eric Taylor's uh, links right here, where if you're actually dealing with an active incident, you can get a hold of him ASAP. Got ransomware? He can. You can get with him today at 12.30. So you gotta have to wait till lunchtime. Eric's busy this morning. Giddy up on it. All right, everybody. Also want to say shout out to Panopsi. Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals, meaning they can come in and partner with you and take you from a reactive program to a proactive, um, pragmatic, predictable, uh, and maturable information security program, i.e. assessing where you are today, assessing where you need to be based on, you know, industry, uh, threat landscape, budget, resources, etc. And then give you a uh, roadmap on how to get there. It's absolutely fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Panopsi.com. Check out the links in the description below. Uh, also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. 
Uh, they will, we'll tell you more about them at the mid roll though, but excellent, excellent company. Um, dude, so many, so many great, um, squad, um, squad members announced and joining. We got Grayson's joke of the day. Every single day of the week does have a special little activity. So Grayson's joke of the day, we do have a pinch hitter. Uh, so you'll want to stay tuned for that, but guys, guess what? It's just about that time. So grab your coffee cup or your, uh, you know, your rocks glass, depending on where you are and what time it is, what's appropriate. If you're about to go to bed, the last thing you want to do is have a cup of coffee. Maybe you want to have a little nightcap. I'm topping off the old French, French roast here. Got my favorite cup. I have a lot of coffee cups, but this is my favorite merely by the pure volume of coffee it can hold. Sit back and relax and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you all at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, September 1st, 2023. Gamaradon hackers hit Ukraine military. The Russian hacking group Gamaradon has started to increase its attacks on Ukraine's military and government. Its primary area of focus remains espionage and data theft. But according to the record, the group hides its activities by having its malware, quote, retrieve domain names from legitimate services such as Cloudflare, Telegram, and Telegraph instead of using its real IP addresses, end quote. One of its most distinctive tools is called Pterodo, which is P-T-E-R-O-D-O, which Ukrainian researchers call, quote, a potent threat capable of infiltrating and compromising targeted systems with precision, end quote. Uh, Movie giant on, on Paramount Global suffers data breach. You'll have to give me a, a, a bit of grace here. Uh, that brownout the other day wiped out my soundboard's capability to uh, precisely control the podcast audio. So I have to do it manually, which is uh, not awesome. All right, so Gamerton, um, this is a state-sponsored, sophisticated Russian espionage and uh, quasi-military uh, 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 capability. Uh, it says they operate out of Crimea, uh, which, I mean, that's the annex part of Ukraine, uh, or however you want to say it, uh, from a couple years ago. It doesn't really matter. When you're a cyber threat actor, you can operate out of the, like uh, an orbiting satellite base, and it, you know you can have the same level of effic efficacy, right? It doesn't matter if you're like off the coast. Um, uh, it, it's being disruptive. This is more, if anything, in my opinion, as a um, cyber professional, this is more interesting. This is more situational awareness for global geo uh, cyber, you know, warfare. Essentially, remember, guys. Um, even though this is happening in Ukraine and it, it may not affect a transportation company in Houston, you've got to remember there's only one internet, right? There's only one internet. We all operate on the same internet. There's no special military conflict network. And then there's like the commercial network. And then, you know, so it's not, it's not impossible. And we've saw it with NotPetya uh, breaking free. We saw it with Stuxnet actually kind of breaking free. I, I didn't realize that until after um, I read Nicole Pelroth's book. But like, you can write software to be super targeted and super precision, but you can't account for all the fringe cases. This way, this is what software is written by humans, right? Except maybe sometimes. Shall we play <laughs> so it's going to have vulnerabilities and flaws, and sometimes they don't account for fringe use cases, and it can expand, and then it can hurt and hit 
non-military targets in a collateral damage way. And we there is uh, precedent set for this in case study. So being mindful of this is interesting. Knowing Gamerton's uh, TTPs and IOCs is interesting to keep an eye on. Again, I wouldn't really put this in like my threat model, like, oh, like we better we better adjust the threat modeling because Gamerton's uh, uh, got an uptick in activity. Unless you are operating, if you're watching this show and you work in Ukraine, especially the Ukrainian government, um, first of all, thanks for joining the show. Second of all, uh, obviously this is very, very, very uh, relevant to you, but you probably know about it. The one thing that they mentioned that I'm trying to wrap my head around right now, and maybe the coffee hasn't started kicking yet, is that they say one of the interesting things about it is that, hold on, they, they mentioned this specifically, to hide its activity from targets, the group's malware retrieves domain names from legitimate services like Cloudflare, Telegram, Telegraph. All right. I, I don't understand. Instead of using its IP address. So I, here's what I don't get. Okay. It's using DNS, right? So it has some domain. It, its IP has got to be somewhere. And then it's using DNS to map back to that. What what I don't un, what I don't understand is how it's like route, like Cloudflare, I guess, makes sense because you can use it kind of like a proxy to proxy through. And I think Cloudflare does that service to help manage denial of service attacks. But I don't understand Telegram and Telegraph. I assume Telegraph is some messaging app. Um, but at, at some point, you have the real IP address, right? It, like, you can't get away from that. So I think what's happening is they're proxying through these services to say, Hey, like go reach out to Telegram and then it redirects down into it. I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, I'd love thoughts on it or whatever. Uh, but anyways, that was a little strange. It's it's not like this is not, as far as I know, this is not some type of like cutting edge technique. This is, you know, standard advanced threat actor behavior. Yeah, like a load balancer. Thanks, Benjamin Jones. So a anyways, like I, I guess I just wanted to put it in perspective, right? For people who are new here or new to the industry, like, Yes, they're doing this to hide activity, but this isn't like, you know, bond level <laughs> uh, capabilities. All right, let's keep going. I, it, God, I got to tell you, it's such like a quality of life being able to touch the soundboard and make the uh, audio go and having lost it is infuriating. The mass media giant with the big mountain logo announced the breach in a letter sent to those who had been affected. The breach, it said, involved files that contained some personal information and that were accessed in May or June of this year. Bleeping Computer has reported that less than 100 individuals were affected. Paramount has not released any further information about the nature of this attack. Takeover Swarm. All right, Paramount, Paramount Global got hit with a cyber attack. It didn't say um, ransomware. Um, oh, hey, here you go. Two years of free identity protection. I'm sure it also comes with a letter saying that you're, uh, oh, here it is. <laughs> Here's the actual letter. It, it's, 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 it's comical. We take our obligation to safeguard personal information very seriously. Do you? I mean, I, I guess you do. Um, I, I mean, at this point, it's like, it, it's like racking up, um, I don't know. What would be a good metaphor? What What is something that's like, you know, once you have one, it doesn't matter if you have multiple. Like, like I probably have like eight different identity theft protections going on right now, like in concurrently uh, because of all the data breaches and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
like it's like an extra pair of flip-flops for the beach like you got one you, got, you don't need another one right i guess that's kind of a, a tough a tough one uh a tough metaphor the brain's just not firing this morning um okay um basically regular people's date of birth social uptick in activity on phishing you can't really uh identify the target market for this it isn't like a law firm and their clients are targeted this is a massive conglomerate faceless organization um so you know this even though this is a major story uh it's really a nothing story and i might add you know what's funny just to to, to put in perspective how desensitized we are to this at this point if this was 2006 this would be like breaking news like news ticker breaking in on like presidential debates like whoa massive paramount global suffrage day. like 2023 like i don't even slow down i just like i just hit the speed bump and keep rolling you know what i mean exploits open fire an attack attributed to the Kinsing Group, K-I-N-S-I-N-G, is exploiting a known path traversal flaw in the open fire enterprise messaging application. According to research firm Aqua Nautilus, this is enabling the creation of admin accounts which gain full control of open fire cloud servers with the additional ability to upload malware and a Monero crypto miner. These attacks are using the vulnerability CVE-2023-32315, which was identified and patched in May, and that we reported on last Friday regarding the large number of unpatched servers still exposed. Aqua Nautilus strongly recommends administrators of any enterprise system using OpenFire to check whether their instance is vulnerable, and of course, access the patch provided by OpenFire. Yeah, no kidding. National safety... Like, okay, like... I'm going to, I might get a little upset here. Okay. Let me like, we reported on this. This story was covered last week. Okay. The story was covered last week. Where is it? And we talked about it. Right. And again, like, it's not like I'm, you know, like we have a great community, good size, but we we don't have like national exposure or something like that. But open fire cloud servers we talked about it it's a technology if you have it it's internet facing it can be compromised as a known vulnerability there's a known fix it's being actively exploited by threat actors if you have it in your environment go fix it period end of story you can use shodan to go find it here's what you can't do you can't just like ah you know what i mean like the hey you know like the surf's really good right now i'm just gonna go catch some waves and grab some tacos and really I mean, open fire, I'll get to you when I get to you. You can't do that. As is being reported now, there's a massive attack on all the open fire cloud servers. Shocker. Like, it, this is, guys, here's the deal. Information security or cybersecurity if you're younger and, or new to, newer to the industry. You can't, like, I'm not saying you can't take a day off. You can have life. But, guys... When things blow up, when things are bad, when things really start happening, you have to crack down and prioritize these things. When proxy shell or zero login or whatever, I forget which one it was, but there was like a massive exchange, uh, like couple of exchange vulnerabilities that all dropped at the same time. Like it sucks that you sometimes have to respond immediately, but it's literally a fire. If, if your house is on fire, you wouldn't be like, ah, it's just the garage. I mean, uh, 
you know, surf's looking good. I'll, I'll, when I get back from the beach, I'll put that out. Like you need to prioritize. This is not, this is not a shocker. This is not a shocker. Okay. You can use Shodan, like I said, to scan and find these things. Threat actors of any level of sophistication aren't even going on Shodan. They have tools that just scan the internet and look for these things. I've put honeypots on the internet before. They get hit within like 15 minutes, okay? So don't think you're too small to be discovered. Like, th that is like such a 2003 business mindset. Oh, we hide in the noise. We're too small. CISA has it added to the known exploited vulnerabilities over a week ago. If you know anyone running this tech stack, open fire, help them, tell them, fix this. You're going to get popped. You're going to get popped. As always, if you're running open fire and you haven't fixed it yet, you may want to check for IOCs or you know what? I don't know. Do a risk assessment, figure out, are you comfortable? Is your business comfortable? with getting popped. That's the, that's probably not. I don't know any businesses that's like, nah, nah, <laughs> I don't care. No business is like that. If you're using it, you have it in your environment for some reason. Fix it. Jesus. Sorry. Baby war goons. Got a little loose on that one. Fancy. Council leak impacts big names, including NASA, Tesla, and Verizon. The National Safety Council, NSC, is a U.S.-based nonprofit that provides workplace and driver safety training along with online resources for nearly 55,000 members. The Cyber News research team discovered public access to the web directories that exposed thousands of credentials, a vulnerability that has allegedly been left open to attack for five months. Almost 2,000 companies were affected, including a great many blue-chip organizations like Coca-Cola, Pfizer, and Amazon across all types of industries. The discovery of the vulnerability was made on March 7th when the Cyber News research team found a subdomain of the NSC website, which was likely used for development purposes. There we go. There we go. Okay, so really quickly, Friendship House is asking, can I write something and tag Simply Cyber so it's directed to the group only on LinkedIn? Uh, Friendship House, I would say you can definitely write something up and push it on LinkedIn, but, um, you know, the, the community can get it, but, you know, why, 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 why not share it with, you know, the public and, you know, allow everyone to benefit from it and then you know, you can use the hashtag or at Simply Cyber and share it there um, for the community to benefit from it as well. Um, that's what I would recommend, right? No need, no need to uh, not share it with everybody. Um, listen, this National Safety Council, it's just another organization, massive leak and a bunch of different organizations involved. When they say, listen, when they say NASA and Tesla, that is just, it's true. NASA and Tesla data was in there, but I, I just want to point out that I feel, okay, again, I don't research or, or, or prepare for any of these stories. You're getting my hot takes on the moment. When they say NASA and Tesla, this is partially for the clicks, okay? NASA and Tesla people were involved in this, okay? There were compromises, but it's, it's email and passwords. It's not like Tesla intellectual property or NASA, you know, shuttle plans and stuff like that. However, I do want to point out if they don't have multi-factor authentication in place or the people whose passwords were getting leaked do not 
uh, excuse me, do reuse passwords, then they are going to have a tough problem and it could leak into the organization. So there is potential here for bad, uh, but hopefully in 2023, multi-factor authentication is in place at places like Tesla and NASA, Tesla and NASA, and they're not reusing passwords, although I'd have more confidence in MFA than I would on password reuse. The second thing I want to point out, okay? The second thing I want to point out, and this is probably the most important lesson learned um, for, for everybody, newcomers and practitioners alike. The way that this breach happened was because of a development site not taking down after development and or the development site made publicly facing. Guys, in, in large businesses, you're not going to just like, I know I, it's funny because some of us have done this in our life. I certainly have. But like in, in, in small businesses, yes, you might build in production, which is a terrible practice. You're, you're more prone to errors and stuff like that. But in larger organizations, you're never going to build in production. Okay. You're going to have a production environment. You're going to have a dev environment or development environment. And then sometimes you'll have a test environment in the middle, right? So it's usually a three a three environment model. You do the development and you build it out. Then you move it to test, test it out. If there's any problems, it goes back to dev. If it goes and go through test and it gets approved, it gets promoted to production. You never will be able to, you shouldn't ever go from dev to production. It should always go through the test environment, right? And that's a standard SDLC workflow. However, in this case, it seems that whoever was in charge like in order to test some functionality, I suppose, they had the dev environment mirrored like production and available. And because nobody, this is something I always lose my mind about, because when they were done t development and they pushed it through and it started working and everybody was high-fiving and going to get in tacos and beers about their great accomplishments, they never wound down the dev environment. They never backed up the configurations and the changes that they made to make it look like production. And this is something that really upsets me on the regular. Guys, if you just started at a company and you can't access an application, right? Or you're building something and you're, you needed to touch production, right? You needed to reach out to APIs at third-party service providers, right? And it's not working. Well, you complain, you bang your desk, you scream at the network guy, BSEC, Open up the ports. Let me through. Open the ACLs. I need access. This is really causing me a problem. Leadership wants this new app developed by Friday. Okay. So you, you piss and moan and you get these things opened up and everybody's on board. Then it's good to go. And you are puffing your chest out, feeling amazing about the great system you built. Awesome. Nobody is complaining that it's still in production except the cyber people after it's discovered through stuff like this. You need to follow the whole SDLC. And my, my whole point of flipping out here is that everybody complains when they don't have access or it's not working and they need some third person to intervene to open things up. But because nobody's complaining when it's opened up and it no longer needs to be, you understand there's no business mechanism where people are losing their mind that it's still open except for, you know, chicken littles over here. So constantly it happens. You see it more often, frankly, with um, user access, where someone leaves the company and they still have access. Someone switches roles, they still have access. Someone's testing something, they still have access. That happens all the time. Um, 
But anyway, it's it's just bad form, and it's a tough thing to break because no, there's no squeaky wheel. No one's complaining that they still have access to something they shouldn't. No one's complaining except us that the dev environment's still accessible. But here you go. This is a perfect example. Fire this into your remember uh, folder for ex explanations to end users on why they need to do SDLC a little bit better. Fancy! And now a word from our sponsor, App Omni. Over-provisioned users could lead to your most sensitive data being exposed or leaked. Just a single attack on one of those users may compromise your entire SaaS estate. With App Omni's SaaS identity fabric, secure and manage end users, entitlements, and threat-based activity. Gain visibility and control over provisioned users, the SaaS data they have access to, and receive guided remediation. Get connected with SaaS security experts at App Omni. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I dot com. I will tell you, sometimes you can set uh, time-based uh, permissions too. Like, uh, you know, you can open it up, right-click, and then open till seven days from now in, in order to force the developer or force the manager to call again to get access. And then it, it naturally will um, terminate itself. Uh, anyways, um, it's the mid-roll. Do we have any first-timers here? I didn't see any first-timers come through, but we do the same thing every day on mid-roll, and this is how we do it. Guys, I want to thank all of you for being here today. I know it's a Friday. I know the college kids are full tilt um, with their... The college kids are full tilt with their, um, you know, Thursday starting the weekend off. So appreciate you uh, prioritizing and being here for the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. Guys, hook me up, if you will. Hook up the people who have not found Simply Cyber yet. Hit the like button. Simple as that. If you are on YouTube, hit the like button. Lily M is a first timer. Yeah, Lily, what's up? Guys, hit the like button. It basically helps people like Lily M and Tom Russell uh, find the show for the first time, right? It's not a coincidence. We push, we hit the like buttons. YouTube triggers the algorithm. YouTube says, hey, I bet you anything, Lily and Tom Russell like cyber content. And they got, hey, you might be interested in this. Hey, TJ Zimmer with the 10 subs. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're a recipient of one of these 10 memberships, Thank you so much, uh, TJ. And for those who got it, definitely take advantage of that squad. Um, Simply Cyber squad member emo tray. I do love it. Here's all the Oprahs. Guys, shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi Cyber, and Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the training industry in cyber by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. Use the link in the description below to go to Anti-Siphon's website, click on training, go to the pay what you can training tab, and look at all these amazing courses that you can take for whatever price you want. Whatever number you can come up with, except a negative number, they will accept. And I want to point out that just uh, in a few weeks, starting September 18th, John Strand himself will be teaching a pay what you want uh, getting started in cybersecurity course. An excellent, excellent intro to the industry. If you are looking to break in, dude, do not miss out on this opportunity. They, like, again, I'm telling you, John Strand, amazing. Black Hills Anti Siphon, amazing. This course, amazing. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down, right? You smell what I'm stepping in? 
Use the link in the description below. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is another. Hey, 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 Tony MBA with the blue, blue badge. Love it. Listen, guys, Kenneth Lowey, Kenneth Lowey's got the uh, Simply Cyber Community Challenge baton. He's going to tag somebody in chant. Guys, if you want to supercharge your LinkedIn feed and expand your network with like-minded, supportive, inclusive cybersecurity people breaking in or working in industry, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect with the people who are posting on that. Connect with the people who are commenting on those posts. You yourself comment on the post. You're gonna get picked up on the Peloton because the next person who comes through is gonna connect with you because you've got a comment on there, right? Believe me, in two weeks time, your LinkedIn feed is going to turn into a beast of value. It's gonna be streams and streams of supportive, inclusive, cybersecurity content, resourceful support, like encouraging network, good people sharing good ideas, uh, supporting you when it's tough times, helping you out and high-fiving you in good times. Guys, if you don't want that, then don't do this. It's okay. It's like, I'm not telling you, you have to do it. This is an opportunity for something if you're interested in it. If you want to build out your LinkedIn feed to be powerful and large and useful for cyber, networking is super valuable, guys. Giddy up on it. Uh, Kenneth, please tag someone. And... Um, all right, guys, final thing. Today is Grayson's joke of the day. Uh, Grayson was super busy, uh, middle school and all, a lot of, lot of, lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of homework. So James McQuiggan is pinch hitting live from vacation. Uh, so James McQuiggan with the joke of the day coming from my celly here. Uh, so the joke of the day. Hey, I want you guys to know that people who hate negative numbers, people who hate negative numbers, will stop at nothing to avoid them. People who hate negative numbers will stop at nothing to avoid them. Well done, James McQuiggan. And thank you, Grayson, for uh, consistently maintaining the joke of the day and James McQuiggan for pinch hitting for uh, Grayson. All right, guys, it's uh, right there at the mid-roll. Let's finish strong and get a little jaw jacking in. I've got a uh, special uh, reminder. We've got a premiere at 9.15 later today that I'm excited to get to. But let's keep doing the stories and uh, finish strong. See you guys at jaw jacking. Airbnb platform exploited by cyber criminals. Analysis from cybersecurity specialists at Slash Next shows that threat actors are using stealers to obtain sensitive information such as login credentials, allowing access to user accounts at Airbnb. There is also evidence of an underground marketplace that sells access to bots that can distribute the stealers more quickly and with broader reach. Anonymous Sudan pressure. I mean, that's kind of a kind of a generic story. Um all right, you know what I'm thinking for the angle on this one? This is an awesome opportunity uh, to educate your end users because most end users know what Airbnb is, right? They may not all use it, but a lot of people use Airbnb. A lot of people understand it. This is an opportunity for you to promote and educate on um, password vaults, password managers, and not reusing passwords, okay? Um, and multi-factor authentication, which is basic cyber hygiene for end users, but it's a good opportunity. Okay, so here's the deal. 
information stealing software, which is very, very popular. Go Google uh, Redline Info Stealer or Raccoon Info Stealer. Those are two wildly popular ones right now. And they're they're malware. They're malicious. It's not like you go to the app store and download it. You don't want it on your box. Those information stealers are getting onto boxes and stealing people's credentials to cloud-based systems and stuff like that. In this instance, they talk about Airbnb. Um, hold on. Why is Airbnb? Wait a minute. Let me read this story. Hold on one second. How is it? Why is the platform? Uh, yeah, yeah. I get. I Here's the thing. This story doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, oh, here we go. Criminals purchased stolen Airbnb account cookies. Um, so, I mean, what, like, here's the thing, this, I hate when they do this, this piss, I mean, sorry, baby war goons, this upsets me, okay? New research exposes Airbnb as breeding ground for cybercrime. No, like, what is happening is threat actors are installing info stealers and stealing credentials wholesale, right? And by the way, um, in this particular instance, um, password managers isn't going to work. And I don't know if someone already said this in chat. They're stealing your session cookies, okay? So you authenticate to a website. Instead of having to authenticate over and over again, you download a cookie. So as you move around the site, you're already pre-authenticated. When they seal that, that's good to go. Um, this turns more into like a web. I mean, you should still educate your end users because you can spin it and they won't know uh, the difference. But this is more for like web application uh, people uh, having cookies expire after a certain amount of time. Um, they say breeding ground for Airbnb, but basically threat actors are just stealing Airbnb cookies and then selling those on the dark market. You would hope a web app person would expire the cookie within a certain period of time. So an end user using the Airbnb platform would be able to have a good user experience. Like say it expires after eight hours or four hours, right? Um, so if a threat actor is trying to sell it on the dark web, by the time they get it marketed, by the time it gets leveraged by a threat actor, et cetera, um, it'll have expired at that point, right? So um, so that's the deal with that. Just be mindful of it. Info stealers are going to happen. People are using them, and then they get into your account, and they do all sorts of gnarly stuff. Okay. There's X over Starlink. The enigmatic hacking group Anonymous Sudan has reappeared and on Tuesday took down X, formerly known as Twitter, in more than 12 countries, including parts of the U.S. and the U.K. Their goal was to get Elon Musk to launch Starlink in Sudan and so used a DDoS attack to get his attention. Anonymous Sudan has long been thought to be a disguised arm of the Russian military, but in an interview with the BBC, a spokesperson for the group denied this, saying their long-term goal was to show the world that Sudanese people are highly skilled. Neither X nor representatives of Elon Musk have acknowledged the disruption as of this recording. Um, you know, maybe, but this is one of those ones where you know the student, the a spokesperson for Anonymous Sudan says we're our own our own crew, but I mean half of you is like okay. I mean if you were like a Russian undercover operation, and and someone was like, are you Russian? You're gonna be like, ah, you got me. No, you're gonna continue to push the narrative that you're not right. Again, I'm not saying that they are Russian or that they are Sudanese. I'm just saying like, what are we doing? Uh, second of all, um, 
pretty powerful stuff, guys. Let's do some Elon. As much as Elon has made Twitter slash X uh, a dumpster fire over the last, I don't know, six months, he is pulling up from the from the nosedive a little bit. Uh, but it is a major site on the internet. And to bring it down for two hours with a distributed denial of service attack is pretty impressive, okay? I'm not gonna lie. That's not, that's not nothing, okay? Uh, I'm trying to see how, um, by the way, I don't think, uh, I mean, I get their goal was to have Elon launch Starlink over Sudan. I don't know if um, threatening and strong arming like the richest person in the world is going to motivate them in any way. Like, like with all due respect, like you took Twitter down for two hours. He took it down for like a month uh, by, by blowing out employees that were critical and um, being just outrageous. You know what I mean? So like, I get what your plan was but I'm not sure uh, if you ever had a chance, right? Um, I wanted to know where their denial of service bots came from. Uh, it's targeted OnlyFans, Tumblr, Reddit, uh, et cetera. So anyways, I was trying to figure out, like when you do a distributed denial of service attack, you have to have a botnet in order to achieve that you need the whole thing with distributed denial of service is that it's very difficult to defend from because you're getting uh traffic requests from you know thousands of ip addresses so you can't tell what is part of the attack and what is a legitimate user um so you can't you can't really defend it but in order to do that you need access to a compromised network of um zombie systems basically so i'm not sure exactly where they got this or maybe Maybe, okay, so here's um here's like a little, uh, the more you know, okay? Like here, we got an emote for this. The more you know. What I just explained is in fact, how a distributed denial of service attack typically happens. You have to have a whole host of compromised hosts like uh, Mirai, Botnet, if you wanna go Google one, for example, and then command them to go buck wild uh, all at, at one site. So, so there's coordination, there's logistics C2, right? Like if I control, if, first of all, I have to compromise, like say, let's just say 100,000 nodes, right? So, all right, so that took work to get. Then I have to tell them all at the same time, attack this IP or this range of IPs all at the same time. And then they have to do it, right? So there's a lot of logistical things involved. There is another technique for distributed denial of service attack that is widely effective. Um, that is uh, like... Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, amplification attacks, right? And a, and a classic example of this is a memcache amplification attack. This one does not require you to own a botnet uh, beforehand. You just have to have find memcache servers on the internet that are misconfigured. A memcache server, think of a memcache server as holding duplicates of data uh, in different places around the world. So it's like Netflix. It's not like you're streaming Netflix from like some server in California. If you live in Australia, Netflix has like a memcache server in Australia and they're all synced up and like, you know, uh, I, I'm I'm simplifying this, but my point is memcache servers are all over the place. And the whole thing that they're there to do is deliver data. So if it's misconfigured, the amplification attack is effectively like this. It's, I call up, um, a Chinese restaurant, and I'm like, hi, my phone number is BSEX phone number. Uh, I want you to call me right back and read me the entire menu, and I hang up. Uh, and then BSEX phone rings, he picks it up, and it's like, 
number one, uh, pork fried rice. Number two, spare ribs. Number three, beef teriyaki sticks. And B-Sex, like, why are you calling me? I don't want to hear this. But, like, he can't hang the phone up because the Memcash server is just straight up puking all data at it all at once. And if you have multiple Memcash servers, then you can get massive amounts of data. This is how you get huge spikes of like terabyte levels of data being spewed all at once because the memcache server isn't designed to spew everything in the server all at once, all at one machine. But if it's misconfigured, it will do that. This is a this is an amplification attack and yet another way to do a distributed denial of service. The more you know. Juniper chained flaws now being exploited. Following up on a story we brought you last week, threat actors are now using the exploit chain in attacks on Juniper EX switches and SRX firewalls. Juniper Networks had released an out-of-cycle security update to address the four vulnerabilities numbered CVE 2023-36844 through 36847. Observers from the Shadow Server Foundation have started to see threat actors who are chaining the flaws, saying that since August 25th, they have seen exploitation attempts from at least 29 IPs towards these vulnerabilities. These happened shortly after a proof of concept had been released. Yeah, no surprise. The, the only thing I would ask is that the proof of concept, um, let's look at this from a timeline perspective, okay? So Juniper releases the advisory. Let's see the timestamp on this thing. The timestamp is August 17th, okay? Let's see when the uh, threat, I mean, the researcher released the POC, okay? POC was released last week. So that is, uh, you know, whatever, August 24th. So a week after the advisory came out. So two things are happening here. It's, it's probable that this um, researcher contacted Juniper made them aware, did responsible disclosure. Juniper released the advisory. And then within seven, uh, seven days afterwards, um, this person released the POC. And this is how it works, dude. You can't, you can't tell the, and this is what I was complaining about the other day with uh, the cyber cybersecurity treaty um, that BRICS is pushing back on. The security researcher, like Juniper can't say, oh, don't release this because it's going to take us a while to fix it. It's like, no, like this is how Watchtower Labs makes money. They have cutting edge research and, and, and notoriety. So they're going to release it as part of the responsible disclosure process and basically force Juniper in order uh, to push patches and, and uh, connect with their um, customer base on this. So this this the timeline of all this really does map up. Now you'll see that the CVEs have really low scores, five, three, but if you chain them together, they do, uh, they do increase and amplify the, um, the risk level to the organization. Uh, an unauthenticated attacker, which is not good, uh, can get RCE, which is not good. And by the way, when you see RCE, just think that means reverse shell. They can get on the box, right? If you can run anything you want, probably the first thing you're going to do is run a command back to your machine to make a connection so you can then do more nefarious things and, and uh, drop, drop payloads and stuff like that. If you're running Juniper, which is not a um, residential brand, right? It is a commercial uh, enterprise grade um, piece of technology. You definitely should be mindful of this. Forward this over to your... Um, Network people, even if you're not running Juniper, this might be a good opportunity to share with your um, 
with your networking team, just, hey, really quickly, thought you might be interested in this. Um, because it is, everybody knows Juniper. Switches and firewalls getting compromised automatically. Chained attacks. Like there's a lot of like meat on this bone. And a network engineer might enjoy reading this, knowing that, holy crap, this doesn't affect us right now, but this is really interesting. And then next time, um, next time uh, one does come through for a tech stack that you do have, I'm looking at you, Barracuda and Fortigate and Zixel and <clears throat> et cetera. Um, you know, the network engineers will be kind of like primed already, if you will, um, to do that. Also a good opportunity if you, if you outsource to an MSP, you know, like say you're like the one IT person at your place, but like you have an MSP supporting you as well. Um, you know, this could be a good opportunity to like, you know, not network with them, but share, share some information, kind of build that relationship. That way, when you do need to call them, it's not like out of the blue, just saying. To cut the power in Montreal. The Commission des Services Électriques de Montréal, CSEM, is a century-old organization that looks after the electrical infrastructure of Montreal, Canada's second large... Okay, hold on really quickly. This is kind of funny. So I was on CISO Series Week in Review last week. Some of you may know this. I was a guest on there. Steve Prentice, who is the guy reading this podcast right now, in the green room section we were talking, and he's from Montreal. And I, I talk trash about that because I'm, I, I like the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. This is an NHL thing. The, the, they're like bitter rivalries. And I was like, oh, like Steve, the Canadians, boo. And he, he said some funny stuff to me back. But he just had, like, it's funny that he just had to read the name of that city or the name of that building in Montreal. And he said it with like perfect French Canadian accent. I don't know if you guys uh, could tell. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to wind it back so you can hear it. City. Lockbit attempts to cut the power in Montreal. Drop it, Steve. The Commission des Services Électriques de Montréal, yes. CSEM, <laughs> is a century-old organization that looks I'm after the electrical evangelist. infrustructure of it, Montreal, it, it. Canada's second largest city. The Commission has confirmed that it suffered a ransomware attack on August 3rd, but refused to pay the ransom and has since repaired its systems. Lockbit made public some of the data that it had stolen, but the commission points out that, quote, all CSEM projects are the subject of public documents. Therefore, all these plans, engineering, construction, and management are already publicly available through the official process offices in Quebec. Oh, suck it. Quote. Remember, if you ever... Suck it, uh, Lockbit. So, <laughs> besides Steve Prentice with the delicious French-Canadian take on the uh, electric company that got hit in Montreal. What's really funny is basically Lockbit's like, we have your data, all your base belong to us, pay us. Straight cash, homie. And uh, they're like, well, you could have just downloaded it from the public record repo, because <laughs> it's already there. We've already, we've already disclosed it publicly ourselves. So your, um, your, uh, your powers don't work here, Jedi. You know what I mean? So this is this is really um, I mean it sucks right obviously this company got hit with ransomware um, well actually hold on some of the threat actors now are not even encrypting systems they're just doing data exfil and then uh, telling them to pay its IT infrastructure has already been rebuilt okay so it looks like they uh, did ransomware it with encryption they were able to rebuild and Lockbit telling them to uh, they would release their data Lockbit um, the CSEM group basically said like 
our data has already been released, you, you knucklehead. Like, definitely should have done your homework about uh, who you're compromising and what 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 the risk is. Like, basically, there's no there's no threat here for this company, and they just keep on moving. Uh, brilliant bit of uh, of opportunity for them, and you don't see this. You don't see this very often. It's kind of funny. Like, I'll probably bookmark this mentally and throw it out there from time to time. All right, guys, let's move into this. All right, guys, really quickly, if you were here just for the news, I want to say thank you, 295 of you. Oh, wow, we dipped below 300 before the story ends. I don't know uh, I don't know if I, I, like, trailed off or whatever, but we'll have to see. If you were here just for the news, thank you so very much for being here. Genuinely appreciate it. Hit the like button on your way out. Um, I want to remind everybody in about 15, 20 minutes, there's a new produced video dropping on Simply Cyber YouTube. Uh, I do a full ISC2 CC review. If you're interested in the program, um, I, I, I want to tell you, um, I posted about this on LinkedIn, got a little blowback. Um, Allison Van Stone, who I respect and appreciate, um, had some opinions about uh, the content. I actually made this video, consulted with her, uh, made sure that um, I was being transparent and fair and objective in my review. Uh, so I'm very, very proud of this particular video because I do serve the community and I want to make sure that anything I do is um, is fair and valuable to all of you. So if you're interested in that, uh, stay with us because I'm going to do jaw jacking for another 18 minutes. But again, if you were just here for the news, we'll see you on Monday at 8 a.m. Eastern time uh, for episode 444 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. But for now, let's get into some jaw jacking. What do y'all say? Let's do it. the YouTube chat up. I got to get a better workflow for that. All right. So welcome to Jaw Jack. And if you're like, what is this? I know uh, Lily and uh, I think it was Tim Russell, our first timers here. If you're wondering what, 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 let me explain to you what we're doing at the end of the news. You know, we're all here. We're all having fun. We're all high fiving. Like, let's take a few minutes and just chill. This is hopefully this elicits chill vibes for you. 56K dial into Jaw Jack. And that's right. Uh, get that get that modem sound going. All right. So BSEC wants to contribute to jaw jacking uh, on that Montreal story. He said the biggest thing was uh, there's, that they're still going to have to spend time to find out where they got in because they could just turn around and get back in. So true. So true. When you suffer a cyber incident, whether it's ransomware or info stealer or whatever, the threat actors got in somehow, whether it was a technical exploitation of that open fire thing that we talked about, or Carl gave up his creds, right? You got to figure it out and then and close that hole, right? Um, Angular says, I found out there was a SOC analyst position at my work, dot, dot, dot. Well, Angular, if you want to be a SOC analyst, go ahead and crush that, my friend. Giddy up. Ms. Julian, now that we are in Jawjack, can anyone know of any financial aid scholarships for master's programs? I'm finding most to be only for undergrad degrees. Um, good question. 
I don't know if it, I mean, I know you can sometimes get work to pay for it, which I know is kind of like a, a mail-in answer. But uh, Ms. Julian, even if your work doesn't have an official tuition uh, assistance program, you might be able to discover, you know, like they would be able to, to support one. Uh, worth asking, you know, hey, like, I, you know, you've been there a couple years, right, uh, Ms. Julian? I feel like you've been there a couple years. You've been crushing it. Uh, maybe they want to invest in you um, instead of losing you, right? Because it would lock you up for two more years, presumably. Uh, Matthew giving out a gifted sub. Thank you so much for the gifted sub. Lazaro Rivera. Oh, hold on. Lazaro Rivera, it's not much, but wanted to take time to say thank you for all you do, how welcoming the community has been. Have a great weekend, Dr. Ozier. Lazaro with the super chat. Thank you, Lazaro. Happy to have you. I do have to get my sound tightened up right now. My my soundboard is tied to the same audio as my podcast. So like when I lower the music, the soundboard gets lowered. That's not the way I normally have it designed. The stupid little uh, um power dip from the other day screwed up my my um it didn't really screw up my audio but do you remember when i was in vegas a couple weeks ago and i was like yelling at the webcam microphone like windows wants to like assume it knows what uh audio input you want and um that's what that's the problem because i have like a really complicated studio so i have like a lot of things going on with the audio which is why it's cyber coffee carl and <laughs> audio all right Let's see. Uh, what is your opinion of Sentinel One as an EDR for a small MSP with less than 20 clients? Uh, well, a couple things, Frank. Uh, when you choose any EDR uh, solution that's like a big, a big player, right? Um, whether it's like Carbon Black, Sentinel One, FireEye, or whatever, you got to think a couple things. One, like what is the terms, right? So Sentinel One. Typically, those large ones, they want to lock you into like three-year deals. So with something like that, if Sentinel-1's about to get acquired, which is what they're trying to do right now, Sentinel-1's trying to sell themselves, um, what does that mean if they get bought like in, on a three-year contract? Like what happens in year two if they're acquired by somebody? So you got to be kind of careful with that. Also, I haven't used Sentinel-1 personally. All of the major EDR solutions do have some drawbacks and all of them can be circumvented that doesn't mean that they suck it just means that they're not bulletproof i've heard good things about sentinel one i haven't used it myself um i think it would be a great option um as an msp i think you'd almost want to make sure that your ability to um well if you're going to do to me if i'm going to do an analysis of a edr it's like how easy how easy is it to deploy because you're going to have to deploy it to different clients in different circumstances how easy is it to manage and maintain visibility um and then what's the pricing structure and does it make sense from a business perspective um for pricing frankly okay what else we got um yeah i mean so some people are saying they wouldn't go that route. I wouldn't either. Like Sentinel One is 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 in flux right now, so that's not a. It's 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 there is increased risk of like unknown by taking someone who's actively trying to be bought. Okay, uh, we've got love for CrowdStrike. Um, I don't want to trash any particular vendor one way or the other. Um, I have used certain EDRs that are like premium EDRs, and I did not like it. Um, just so you know. And by the way, actually, I'll just tell you. Okay, so uh, Cisco, 
has an EDR solution. I can't remember what it's called, but they bought it. And then they integrated it into their overall ecosystem, and I did not enjoy it. It was a professional EDR solution. I forget what it's called, but but it, I'm sure someone in chat will uh, share it with me. But I didn't like it personally. I found it to be not good. <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah, hey, if you have a call on Tuesday, just make sure that you have um, a clear list of requirements that you're evaluating on. Um that's what I would say. When you're evaluating anything, whether it's EDR, MDR, anything, have a clear objective thought process before you even talk to salespeople about what's important to you and get the answers. That way, when you're comparing multiple vendors, you can have apples to apples, right? Yeah, Cisco Secure Endpoint, aka AMP. That's it. I do. I didn't care for that personally. Fallon Watts, thanks for being on the uh, stream yesterday, Fallon, with... Um, Jeffrey Smith. If you guys didn't catch the the uh, interview with Jeffrey Smith last night, um, let me just share my screen really quickly. Oh, wrong screen. Oh my God. Hold on. Um, this right here, this is what it looks like. If you didn't uh, see this one, this was excellent. Um, Fallon Watts was there. I'm going to share this in stream. There we go. There we go. All right, back to this. Fallon saying, have you checked for resources on the women in cybersecurity group? Uh, good point. Uh, I don't know women in cybersecurity. I mean, I know of women in cybersecurity group, but I don't know about um, tuition assistance and stuff like that. Uh, but certainly, Fallon, I appreciate you letting Ms. Julian know. And by the way, just so everybody knows, I say Ms. Julian uh, because her first name often triggers the digital assistant sitting on my desk. Uh, so I have to do that. Yeah, AMP got renamed as part of like the rebranding, but it's still the same product. Um, like I had a massive issue with AMP that required Cisco to get on the phone with me in order to fix a enterprise-wide problem. Um, Dave Hawkins is uh, throwing love at Palo Alto XDR. Okay, worth checking out. I like it. Uh, hey, just introducing myself. My name is Abby and new to cyber. Shout out to Gerald for this great channel. Thanks, Abby. Love it. Uh, I like the interview, but it seemed to me that Jeffrey had more information to provide and not enough time. Will there be a second? Yeah, we could certainly have him come back on. Um, he's a he's a friend of mine, right? Like I could get him anytime. Here's the thing. Um, a lot of people in the industry don't want to talk about insurance, so I don't push it. Like, it's just, it's, it's a topic that not a lot of people are into, but if you're into it, there's a lot of value in there. Uh, so, I mean, I could certainly bring them back on. Uh, what about Defender for Business? It comes with some licenses. I, Paris, I like, I like Microsoft Defender. If you're already, if you're, especially if you're in an Office 365 environment, all the integrations, um, especially because you can integrate easily into Sentinel, um, you get the, you know, the, the Azure dashboard. Um, I like it. I know a lot of people think Defender's trash, um, but it's, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad, especially if, you, if, you, if you're if you on a shoestring budget and you already got the licenses, you're already in an Office 365 shop, go, go for it. Um, people are asking, um, does anyone know if threat actors are using MFA hacks? Kevin Green's asking, yeah, absolutely, Kevin. MFA hacks all day, every day. They do it all sorts of different ways. Sim swapping. Sim swapping is an easy way to do an MFA hack. 
They have um, like redirect portals so they can send you a phishing landing page and then uh, be like an adversary in the middle. Watch. Hold on. Kevin Green giving me an opportunity to dig into some um, infographics here. You know I like a good infographic. Spicy. All right, um, let me MFA, um, what would it be? Like MFA exploit, I got um, exploit threat actor in the middle. See if we can find a nice graphic for you. Do, do, do. Here we go. Crediting, uh, I don't know whose website this is. Ha uh, crediting bleepstatic.com. Uh, you could see right here, the victim enters the creds, right? Into the... Oh, hold on. I, I should have looked closer at this before. Bas basically, the threat actor gets in the middle, and they propose they they either share show you an actual landing page or they show you the real site, and basically, they're just relaying your data through them. Typically, they'll do a land... I mean, not typically, but in my opinion, they would do a landing page because if they just pass through to, like, Office 365, um, the connection could be encrypted, so they're not going to necessarily um, grab that data. But when you... Um, in, in this case right here, in this graphic, they don't even need to steal your MFA. They're actually stealing the session cookie, which is what we talked about with that Airbnb story uh, a little while ago. Right, so there's a there's a couple different techniques. Even even a crude technique, it's it's a it's much more crude in social engineering. But threat actors will sometimes text you and say, "Hey, Kevin Green, I'm Jerry from Apple. Um, we suspect your account's been compromised. You're about to receive a code from us at Apple. If you do receive it, let us know what it is." And, and basically, they log into your account, which, by the way, they have to have your username and password first before they do that. But they log into your account, and then you get the six-digit PIN from Apple legitimately texted to you or sent to your email or whatever. And then you just give it to the bad guys. That That's another attack vector. And believe it or not, people do fall for that. Uh, hey, what's up, M? Making it to the team live. Love it. Here, I'm actually going to... While I'm... While I'm here, I'm actually going to try to fix my soundboard. Let's go. Um, stream deck. Here we go. I'm just going to pick a random one. Let's do default. Let me know if the audio changes. Ooh, that's a little bit louder. I fixed it. Someone. Oh, okay. Hey, no one got tagged for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Let's go ahead and tag somebody. Um, there's a lot of great people in chat right now who are, uh, available. Anybody particular interested in picking up the, um, the baton for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Remember, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an awesome way to connect with people and supercharge your network. If you are looking to build your LinkedIn, uh, network with, uh, inclusive, supportive cyber people... This is a great way to do it. The opportunity to pick up the baton is available right now. So if anyone, Lacey Cochran has the baton. Lacey, thank you so much. All right, let's 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 mark tape. Lacey Cochran with the, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you, Lacey. Genuinely appreciate it. Do you have a Discord or platform where to connect? You better believe it, Avi. Let's do exclamation point Discord. 
Abby, I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. There's 11,946 humans on the Discord server. It's a good good amount of people. Does anyone know what ComSec is and how easily it relates to InfoSec? Sure. Strudel Pope 2464 asks about ComSec. Uh, community, I ask you to correct me where I'm wrong, but ComSec is communication security. And for the purposes of information security or cybersecurity, it's basically just a um, earlier version of it, right? So I've been around in the industry for 20 years. So like when I came up, it was called information security or InfoSec. Maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago, we started calling it cybersecurity. So if you're newer, you call it cyber, but it's just information security evolved. And there is some slight differences. Prior to information security, it was called computer security. And before that, it was called communication security. And I think it stemmed from uh, military, um, um, oper you know, military capabilities of having communications secured. And one AI cat. Nice. Love it. Love it. Hopefully that answers your question. Uh, the Discord server is great. Thank you. King Victory. I hope you're doing great. I am. Thank you. Awesome show today. Thank you. I was wondering if you, being a cyber intel analyst role is a good entry level role. I watched your video about it. So it's interesting. Um, you're asking about that. Uh, so there's a guy named Carlos that I met out in Vegas uh, who's transitioning in. And he is hyper focused on becoming a CTI analyst. I can't tell you with 100% certainty whether or not it's a good entry-level role. Uh, you may be able to ask people in chat like Eric Taylor, Joel Belton, uh, Jack Scott, or Gary Ruddle. Let me share this with you really quickly, okay? Um, let me share this with you, all right? I don't know. Uh, the other thing I tell you, um, King Victory, is go look at open job recs and see if you can find... Uh, CTI analyst entry-level jobs. Also, you might want to ask Joe Hudson. Joe Hudson on LinkedIn. Great guy. Simple question. Hey, is CTI an entry-level position? He'll be able to answer that in like five seconds. I want to point out Gary Ruddle on YouTube right now. This guy right here is fantastic. He is a um, great content creator, but he is a professional uh, OSINT and CTI analyst. His channel is fantastic. But the reason I pointed out to you is because literally, literally yesterday, he released this video on his free CTI Notion system, which I downloaded. He also uh, promotes, he wrote a little book and it's like five pounds. I think it's like three bucks. And it's like how to get started doing CTI. Um, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, I haven't read the book yet, so I can't say that's fantastic. But knowing Gary, I strongly suspect it is fantastic. So King Victory, I'm going to link to this. At a minimum, watch the video. And uh, good luck to you. All right. Angular's dropping a super chat. Hold on one second, Angular. Let me giddy up on this. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Angular, for supporting the community. Thank you and the community. You guys are so welcoming. Most people in IT, the field that I'm currently in, hopefully next week I'll be ready for the baton. Got to get my LinkedIn current. Yes, definitely. Take that for action. You got to... Got to you got to clean up that um that LinkedIn. Let's go. What's the deal with PCI DSS? Why are the certs so expensive? That I don't know. I PCI DSS is around payment card industry. They have like a lock 
I don't know if it's a cash grab the way CMMC tried to do it, but it's like a cash grab where like you have to be like a PCI qual, like a PSA, I think it is, or a PQA, like a qualified assessor. Costs money to do that. Guy, hey, at the end of the day, straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Like they control. And they do it for quality control, but basically they're controlling who can get in and who can audit and all these things. And because of that, they can charge whatever they want. It's a, it's a monopoly. Uh, Intel is what my goal is, I think. Okay, Luke Canfield, then definitely giddy up on it. Intel's a lot of fun. Taekwon Gong, if you are moving towards cyber, how do you keep your why alive through the struggle? Well, uh, Taekwon Gong, I mean, I would say, you know, focus, keep your eye on why you're doing it. Uh, get support from the community. There is a channel in Discord called, um, there's a channel in Discord called, like, uh, what is it? Decompress and Breathe, where you can just yell into the void if you want. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, for me personally, when I was coming up, you know, I wasn't getting jobs at the beginning. And, you know, some of my family members were like, oh, just take, like, just take a, you know, like a job that doesn't matter. Like take a job as like working as a business analyst, take a job lifting boxes. And I was like, no, like I, I started, I couldn't get a job when I graduated undergrad and I had to do masonry tender construction, which is like the hardest thing. I was basically working out way beyond my bill, my body's ability for eight to 10 hours a day for what it's worth. I did get shredded. I was like the unbelievably shredded, but uh, after three months, uh, I was like, oh my God, this is killing me. And uh, kept looking, kept looking, refused to take a job that wasn't what I wanted. Ultimately, I got it. Although, as I've told the story on chat before, I got exploited at that first job and uh, was happy to quit after my one year of experience. Although I did meet my wife at that job. So, you know, it's very happy, very happy ending. All right, guys, just want to remind everybody, we're about one minute out from the isc to cc review i'm going to drop a link in chat um i did not schedule this live to redirect you so uh you'll have to do that yourself but as soon as this spins up we're going to dig in there okay so jaw jacking's just about over just passed my net plus exam yesterday toastman nice congratulations connect with jesse johnson for sec plus stuff guys um, this is lame. I actually made this a sci-fi one. So I'm, I'm, this is, this is killing me, bro. This is killing me, bro. All right, guys. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Enjoy the jaw jacking. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope you can come over to the premiere and join me in chat right over there. I'm Jerry, your chat until next time. Stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.